Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we have Natasha with us. So Natasha, if you just want to start us out with a little introduction, that would be great. Sure. Um, So I live in Western Colorado. Um, It's a pretty fairly rural area. So um, Denver is like three hours away and that's like the biggest big city, I guess. Um, I am, my husband and I have been married for almost four years. Our anniversary is this week, actually. And, um, we knew we wanted to have lots of kids. Um, so we got, um, started pretty much right away after we got married and, um, we weren't, we weren't really trying, um, but like six months into our, into our marriage, we got, um, pregnant. And so, um, huge blessing to be able to get pregnant easily. I know a lot of people have struggled with it. So, um, we feel really blessed in that regard. Um, and when we talked about what we wanted to do in terms of like where to birth and everything, um, we were open to a lot of options. Um, I work as a physical therapist at our local hospital. And so that was kind of like a, well, this is kind of a no brainer in the sense of cost really. And, um, all that I had heard of the hospital, um, the birthing center was really positive. So I was definitely willing, um, and happy to birth there. Um, we were also open to the idea of, um, home births. Um, we have a lot of friends that have had home births and, um, my, um, my husband's stepmom actually has had two home births and she's a, a doula as well. And so, um, that was also something we considered, but, um, it was like, give or take a couple of thousand dollars less to do a hospital birth with my hospital. So that's what we ended up doing and choosing. And, um, so we decided to, um, decided to follow through with that. And, um, so my pregnancy with my daughter's name is Piper and she's two and a half now. Um, and that was all completely, um, normal, um, no low risk, no issues. I saw the midwives at the hospital pretty much the whole time. Um, no complications. And our, um, our desire was for her birth to be completely, you know, what we would say or call natural in terms of no, or very minimal medical intervention, if any at all, like basically just want to go there and have her there, you know, and then come home. <laughs> but, um, and I was, I was willing and realistic understanding that there may be some things that we would have to maybe sway on or, um, do a little differently just be based on maybe things that came up during the birth and during the labor. And, um, I understood that, you know, things happen. And so, or, you know, sometimes people have really long, terrible, painful labors and they're like, yes, I do want that epidural actually. And so I was open to, you know, things like that, but I really wanted to minimize it and preferably not. Um, and I, you know, had like the whole birth plan and everything like that. I asked one of the midwives, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be like, 
bossy, you know, be like, this is what I think or what I want for my birth, you know, to the midwives and the, and to the nurses that were at the hospital. But the midwife was like, no, that's what we want. We want to know what your, um, what your goals are and what you would desire. So I was like, okay, so I laid it out, you know, pretty much no interventions, you know, is, is, is desirable and ideal. And so, um, one of, and this is of course, since I've only had two, this is of course the baby that I had a C-section with. Um, and one of the postpartum nurses in the room, she was like, I looked through your birth plan and I'm sorry, you didn't get any of that. (laughs) Um, but essentially, you know, I went into labor, um, at 41 weeks with her, um, naturally no induction or anything. Um, again, no complications. So, um, labored at home, um, from like 7 PM until like, I think 2 PM the next day, I wasn't able to sleep that whole night just because they were bad enough that I couldn't sleep through them. But, um, uh, it was, seemed like a normal, you know, for first baby, I didn't know what to expect, but it seemed like it was progressing well. So we went to the hospital, um, probably earlier than I really needed to. Um, but I was like, these are bad enough. I don't want to have to deal with these in the car. Um, but thankfully the hospital was only like 20 minutes away from our house. So, um, but I was feeling good. I was still feeling, you know, encouraged and I wasn't like, really far into, I didn't feel like I was really far into labor where I couldn't like handle anything yet. So, um, I probably could have waited longer, but it's okay. Um, and I went in and they, you know, they do the, uh, monitoring for 20 minutes or so beforehand. And then, then like, let you go is, is what the plan is. But as soon as they put the monitor on and, um, the nurse, I could tell like right away, she was just the first contraction, she was like, I'm going to go get the midwife. I'll be right back. And I was like, oh, great. This is not good. <laughs> like what, what's happening? And so, um, so essentially her heart rate was going down with every contraction and which it's normal to fluctuate, of course. Um, and I know there's, you know, early D cells, late D cells and like how well they respond. And so I didn't, that's of, of all the things that I researched and looked up, like I didn't expect that to happen, especially right away. Like, again, I came in without any interventions. I hadn't had any medications, no epidural. So that was like, just like really took threw me off to begin with. Um, and, but they were going down into like, I think it was the eighties for her heartbeat at first. Um, and then it would get down into the seventies um, later on as well. So essentially I had to stay on the monitor, which made me have to stay on or at least near the bed. Um, and I tried standing up next to the bed, but it, her heart rate responded poorly to that. So they asked me to stay in the bed, like on hands and knees or side laying on my side, which was just like hands and knees was okay. Could handle that for a little bit, but I got tired. And then, um, and then I would lay on my side and that was just excruciating. Like that was like the worst position ever. Um, and so it was just really, um, really tough. But the, one of the, my first thoughts when they said, okay, you're going to have to stay in the bed um, or, you know, on the monitor the whole time. Like one of my first thoughts was like, I kind of like already gave up. I was like, I'm going to have to have a C-section, you know, like I, my mind went straight to there, which I wish it hadn't. I wish I had been like a little more resilient in my thinking, but that was just, you know, again, it completely threw me. I expected like, if I don't do anything, if I do everything right in pregnancy and I don't have to have any interventions done, then, you know, then the ultimate evil, which to me was a C-section, you know, wouldn't occur or happen. And, um, it was like, completely unthinkable that I'd have to have a C-section. I thought that 
the worst thing would be, I'd have to give into having an epidural or something, you know? So it was just like, it was like totally not what I expected at all. Um, and that was like the one thing that I was like, I'm not going to give on that, but, <laughs> but so it was like five hours of laboring like that. Um, and finally the doctor came in and said, we recommend a C-section. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like pushy at all. Um, it wasn't, um, you know, he was, I didn't, I don't feel like he was like trying to scare me at all or anything like that either, but I just already felt so defeated that I, I was like, okay, <laughs> like, I mean, my sister, I was really thankful for my sister. My sister's had three C-sections actually. Um, all of her kids have been C-sections and she, um, she was there. And so she, when the doctor said that he, I just like stared at him and I was just like, what? <laughs> and so, um, my sister, um, asked for him to, you know, if they he could leave so that we could talk about it. And I'm thankful that she suggested that, um, instead of him just staring at me as I like stared back at it, I was like, what really? Um, not that it was really that surprising. I think at that point to anyone with, you know, how things were going. Um, so at that point I was just like, you know, I, and it was, it was a hard decision because, um, in my mind, I'm like, is this a, the time where we say, okay, let's wait an hour and see how things go. But for five hours, her heart rate had been doing the same thing. So, um, and again, I don't know if it was like one of those early, late these cells, if it was like technically dangerous or not, or if it was just long enough that they're like, okay, nothing, nothing's happening here where it's like getting better. So I don't know they didn't like tell me their thought process, <laughs> but, um, so I thought, well, either I tried to push for having this continue naturally, um, and I was at like a seven at the time, I think in terms of dilation, whether that means very much or not. But, um, but then I also was like, well, but if I tried to do that, then what if she's born, you know, with like some brain damage or something and, you know, and then I'd feel guilty for that. So I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place to make a decision. And I felt like I was giving up if I gave into the C-section, but then I also felt like I was being selfish if I pushed to continue um, to labor without a C-section. So um, I kind of just went the, I would just set it out, we'll just do it kind of thing. And so my husband was on board too. Um, and my mother-in-law who's a doula was there as well as my sister too. So um, I think none of us, like obviously none of us expected that. And so it was, um, it was a, uh, I don't know. It was a kind of an ominous feeling in the delivery room, to be honest. So it was not, um, I think everyone was just didn't know what to do or what to say. And, um, I think the thing that disappointed me the most was, um, you know, I just wish that there was like a nurse or a midwife that could have come in and say, let's try some things, you know, like, let's try, this sideline position, like some spinning baby stuff, you know, um, which I knew of spinning babies, but I didn't, you know, I was not in the mindset to like decide to do that myself. So, um, I wish, you know, like hindsight and who knows if that would have done anything to make it any better, but at least I would have felt a little bit better maybe about my decision. Like, okay, we tried everything now, now this is, this is what it is. So, um, and that was actually one of the reasons that, you know, made me decide to have a home birth for sure with my son was because you just don't know who's going to be, what nurse or midwife is going to be at the hospital at the time when you're there. Um, and even if on the whole, they're all really great, you know, it could take 
a couple shifts until you get a nurse that comes in and knows how to do these spinning babies moves or considers doing this or that, um, that might help you. Um, I have a friend that had her son at the same hospital and that's how it was for her. She was, her labor was going really slowly. And then after the, like, I think the third shift changeover or something, finally a nurse is like, let's try this. And she had her laying on her side and doing some spinning baby stuff. And then she had him and it's like, maybe it was coincidence, of course, but, um, it's like, oh, that would have been really nice. <laughs> so did they, did they have you just on the bed and then on your side and hands and knees pretty much that whole time then? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the hands and knees was my idea. Cause I knew that, you know, from laboring at home, however many hours that that was the most comfortable. So, um, they raised the head up of the bed and I was on my hands and knees for a long time. And I remember being like, I can handle this position mostly, except I remember my hamstrings were so sore after being up there for so long. And I was like, I can't be up here any longer. I need to lay down. So, but then that was excruciating. So, um, so yeah, and I, I tried um, sitting on the ball or standing on the edge of the bed, but um, but again, her heart rate wasn't responding very well to that. So that was the yeah, only thing. Yeah, you're kind of limited then with what what you can try or even really what yeah. you want to try because you obviously, you don't want to make it worse either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there was one time when I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And so they had to take the monitor off of me. And I, I could tell the nurse was like, wasn't too happy about taking the monitor off. But I was like, oh, thank God. I can be off this monitor for like 10 seconds. And I walked to the bathroom and like, and I had a contraction while standing up. And I was like, oh, this is just like so much better than being on that stupid bed. But then she, the nurse is like, you got to come back. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I like, I love that, like, you know, few minutes of me being off of the monitor, but then I had to get back on. So it was back to the same. So, yeah. So how, how did everything go with the actual C-section then? Did they, did they classify it as like an emergency or was it just kind of like, this is the decision we're making and then just moving forward with it from that? I don't know if they classified it as an emergency. I don't think they did. Um, um, and I did get my paperwork, you know, cause I thought that maybe like being able to read like the progress notes and the C-section note would like give me some closure of some sort which it didn't. It just like, it's also vague, you know, and I understand that they like often just like write things really vaguely, which is fine. But, um, so there was no like classification that I know of. Um, and it was, you know, as soon as I said, yes, like, again, they weren't pushing me like, you know, um, so, but as soon as I said, yes, then it was like, like everyone like got working really quickly. Um, there were papers in my face to sign that like in the middle of a contraction I was like, I can't sign it right now. And, um, so it like, after that, it moved really quickly. Um, but I don't think, it, I think that's just how they work. I don't think it was an emergency at all, but the C-section went really smooth, I think. Um, and the doctor that performed it, the was, you know, he's, I mean, they have all it was a really good doctor. So, I mean, I think he did a good job, you know, with, I trusted him with the suturing and everything like that. Um, the anesthesiologist I remember was really, was really great. Cause he was by my head and telling me everything that was happening and what to expect. And so that was, um, that was really good. And then how did the, um, immediate postpartum time look? Did you get to see baby while you were still in the OR or the time in the recovery room? Um, that one was a little bit more, that was a little more difficult. Um, she, I guess they said that she was having trouble breathing at first, even though her APGAR scores were still pretty high that they gave her right away. Um, so they did some sectioning in the OR. So I don't know how long it was that I didn't see her. Um, 
it, it could have been, honestly, it could have been like a couple of minutes, but it felt like 15 minutes or something, you know, like I have no idea. I know they were suturing me up, up while they were taking care of her. And, um, and that was the hardest thing, like not knowing like what was happening or, you know, like I'd hear her cry a little bit here and there. So that was reassuring, but they were like trying to keep me up to date what was happening. And, um, they brought her over to me, um, like all bundled up and they had to take her to the, um, the NICU just to like monitor. So I didn't get to like hold her or anything. Um, I kissed her and then they took her and I told my husband to go with her, you know? So, um, so that was the toughest part. Dang it. It's been two and a half years. Too, and I still okay. feel like teared up talking about it. There's a lot of emotions that get wrapped up into these stories. And that's, that's a hard experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think that was um, probably the hardest is not being able to like really see her or hold her. So they took me to the, um, the recovery area and, um, I was, I remember my mother-in-law and my sister, um, coming in, like taking turns to come see me. And then, um, they did bring her in. Like, I don't think it was that long. Like she was doing well. So they, they brought her in and I just, uh, like the nurse was like, like, okay, we're going to see if she can breastfeed and see if she latches on. And I was just like laying there. Like, I think, I think everything was just like shock stills. Um, but I just felt like I wasn't, you know, I was like out of it, like from, from, I like, I hadn't been on any medications, you know, they didn't put me out in surgery or anything, but I think I was just like, it all like just happened. And, um, so I honestly don't like really remember (laughs) a lot of like the immediately after, or even that night, because she was, she was born at like 7 PM. And so I don't, remember a lot of that that night either um but yeah so that's like a huge that was a huge reason of wanting to have a home birth as well definitely so how did all of that transfer to leaving the hospital and then your postpartum time at home um I mean I think like first I feel like I had a pretty normal postpartum period in terms of, in terms of that, you know, and like, um, I didn't have postpartum anxiety or depression or anything like that, but I think, um, I did, I think I like just being a first time mom, it was just tough. It was more tough first time around, at least than I definitely dealt with the postpartum stuff a little better the second time around, even though I had a toddler at the same time. So, um, nothing like super significant with that. I healed well, everything went okay. Um, so that was, um, that was pretty non-significant, I think in that way. Um, but I did, um, after having my daughter, um, I did, you know, as I mentioned, I, I'm a physical therapist. And so, um, another therapist, um, at my hospital, um, system, she was, was at the time, the only pelvic floor physical therapist, and she needed help because she was, um, huge, um, 
you know, wait list and everything. So, um, she asked me and I'm in a different clinic. So, um, she asked me if I could help out and learn, um, to do pelvic floor. It's a, definitely a specialty part of rehab. And so she asked if I could take some classes and, um, shadow her for a little bit. And so I could take on those, those cases as well. So I, I did, um, I was definitely much more interested in it after having a child of my own, um, and more comfortable with the idea of doing that as well. Um, having experienced it myself, and so, um, I, I, so now it's, I've been like for a couple of, a couple of years, been doing, um, pelvic floor rehab. Um, and so it's, that's really helped me, you know, we, we treat, um, not just like postpartum women, but also pregnant women. Um, and there's some areas and some places where they have pelvic floor PTs in, um, in the hospital, like during labor with them, um, and doing things that are spinning baby like, um, just to like learning how to best, um, position mom and for comfort, but also for baby's positioning and stuff like that. And so, um, so I learned a lot in, you know, in that time frame from becoming or starting to learn about, um, public floor rehab to becoming pregnant my, um, with my second child. So, um, I think that really being in that world and having that knowledge really helped me the second time around as well, um, in a lot of things. Um, so I just like would mention that, you know, that was, you know, I feel like I have a little, um, a little step up in that, that way, you know, it's to be able to like know how to, and being in the medical field in general too, knowing how to advocate for myself and to be confident in that. So I think I learned a lot in that regard after my, not only after my first, but then also getting a more specialty um, education in that area. And I'm glad you brought up the pelvic floor therapy too. That was something I didn't know about before right. having my own baby. And wow, it made a difference. Like oh. I could totally tell in my own healing just from before I did that. And then I think I only did like four or five sessions, but that made a huge difference for me. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely, I mean, I recommend that to everybody, like regardless of the kind of birth that you have, that's huge. Right. right. I think regardless of the birth and regardless of like the issues that you have afterwards too, um, in pregnancy, even in pregnancy, even if like, honestly, I think even if people are having a pretty, you know, um, low complicated, you know, pain-free, they're not leaking or anything like that. It's still good to like get a, a visit or two of, of public floor PT just to help in other areas. Um, or, you know, you often, often when working with people, you're talking and discussing things and they're like, oh yeah, I do have that issue. Or yeah, that is kind of a problem or yeah, I can't do that. And I would like to. And, um, and so we can help with that. So in any prenatal, postnatal, um, and even, you know, men and women that in women that haven't had babies even still need pelvic floor PT. So it's kind of a all around kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many of those little things that come up when you're having those conversations, that's like, oh yeah, that does happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many common things, but that doesn't mean that it's normal. I was actually just reading a huge thing about that the other day. Like, headaches and um like round ligament pain and all sort I mean there's I could list a million things throughout right <laughs> but just life in general mm -hmm. so many of these things we think that it's that's just part of pregnancy or that's just part of having your period or that's just whatever but that doesn't mean that it's normal so I agree I think everyone could benefit from 
all types of stuff. I mean, chiropractic care, pelvic floor, yeah. all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. And my favorite thing too, is like when I'm seeing like a pregnant or um, postpartum mom and like, I'm seeing them for a specific thing and they're like, you know, like, cause things are always changing, especially of course in pregnancy. And then like, especially those early postpartum uh, months and they're like, oh, just like, you know, like, oh, my upper back or the shoulder is suddenly starting to hurt, you know, every time I'm nursing. And so it's like, oh, well, let's address that before it becomes a chronic issue or before you have, you know, more difficulty associated with that. Even though, you know, you're here for your low back, like we can still, I can still help, help you with that. And so then we can kind of nip it in the bud in that, in that sense before it becomes, you know, gets down further down along the road. Right. Then you're just going to end up having to do more work on it. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of education. You know, it's a lot of just like knowing like posture things and understanding like how the pelvic floor works and, and how it's, um, you know, what it's involved in. Like, you know, it's more than just pee and poop um, and sex, but there's other things involved with it as well. And it can have effect in other parts of your body you wouldn't even know of or, or think of. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So take us to your second pregnancy then. Okay. So, um, we got pregnant with, um, my Micah. So when Micah's baby number two, he was, um, born just this May. And so again, we're pretty blessed to not have had any, um, any real trouble getting pregnant. So I know some people have that like second infertility issue. So, and stuff, and we're really blessed in that way. It did take a little bit more work because we had to, I had to like track my ovulation. And, um, so it took a few months, but it was really no big deal. Um, but yeah, again, very, um, uncomplicated and healthy pregnancy. Um, I guess I will say the only thing I did have with both, um, pregnancies, which is like not a very fun thing, which I guess most issues in pregnancy aren't, but I did have very, um, vulvar varicosities. Um, and so var varicosities, you know, on my vulva and, um, which is not very common. I think it's like 4% of women, pregnant women have it. So, um, but again, as a pelvic floor therapist, I knew what it was and I knew a garment that I could purchase that like pretty much completely alleviated the pain and discomfort. So I could still stand and work and stuff. So that's the only, like, I guess, issue I really consistently had with my pregnancies. But, um, uh, anyways, so, um, I think before we were even pregnant, we discussed like, okay, we do want to do a home birth. Um, because again, it was already an option to begin with, with the first pregnancy. And it um, it just like, we, you know, we knew the, the one lady, honestly, there's one person in our area for like a two hour radius, I think that does home births. Um, and so, but we knew her personally through, um, like my husband's stepmom had used her, of course, and all of our friends in the area that had had home births um, used her as well. So we knew of her and had met her a few times. Um, and she's been doing that for a long, long time in this area. So um, we were comfortable with, with, you know, knowing who she was and, you know, how well she did. And she was a good midwife. So we um, you know, decided that pretty early on. Um, I did have, you know, a couple, you know, I'm very much into like making sure I research everything and like know my options and know what's um, the best option for me because I um, was talking with a, a midwife um, who was kind of a friend at the hospital um, 
when I was pregnant and I, or no, it was even before I was pregnant. And I asked her about, cause I just wanted to make sure that there weren't any other home birth midwives in the area that she knew of. And um, she's like, oh, for, for who, for you? And she's like, I wouldn't suggest anyone for you um, because it would be a VBAC. And she's like, you should have one at the hospital. Um, and she mentioned the, um, you know, the risk of rupture and everything like that. And, and she recognized, of course, that it is like an extremely low number in terms of risk, but, you know, if it happens, it could be, you know, deadly and, in and all that. So, and of course I already knew all the statistics and those numbers and, um, and I felt like it wasn't any, any more risky than like a first time mom. Um, I mean, I guess technically it is a little more statistically, but I didn't feel like it was um, risky enough that it would keep me anywhere from doing a home birth. So and I don't know those numbers specifically off the top of my head, but I know that it's like 1% of VBAC moms, right? Rupture. And then of those 1%, like maybe six, uh, like somewhere around 6% are like actually um, deadly. Is that right? Is like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers yeah. off the top of my head either, yeah. but yes, I know it's, it, there's, it's a higher percentage of VBAC moms, but the overall risk is mm-hmm. still low. And then you're right of that small percentage, like it being a catastrophic right. or life endangering thing yeah. is also very low. So you have a low percentage of a low percentage. Yeah. So overall yeah. your risk is low. Yeah. So, um, so especially because we do want to have, um, a lot of babies, you know, definitely like VBAC was the, you know, obvious, um, thing, but then on top of that, um, a home birth was even, you know, more obvious because of, um, I felt like I, my chances of having a successful VBAC would be more likely at home with like a midwife who I knew was, who was going to be, who was going to be there, you know, versus going to the hospital, not knowing what midwife or doctor or nurses were going to be there. Um, and also just, I just feel like just being away from like any of those, you know, that cascade of interventions, you know, not having them being really much of an option, um, just made me feel more comfortable about my chances and being successful with that. Um, and you know, other things, you know, being, um, at home more comfortable, not having to worry about when to go in the hospital, um, and all that just, made sense to me. And so after she said that, that was like, oh, okay. Cause I totally thought in my head, like, oh, she's going to be totally fine. And on board of me having a home birth home VBAC. And so, um, I did research a little bit of like any birth centers in the area, which the closest one to us is an hour away. Um, and I, you know, contacted them and they, they don't even do VBACs. Um, they would like to, but the, the doctors that, um, support them don't support, um, VBACs at a birth center. So, um, they would have to, they're like, we can accept you. But then when it comes time to having the baby, we would go to the hospital with you. So I was like, well, what's the point? <laughs> That's not what I want. Right. So, you might as well, if you're going to do that, then just plan to go to the hospital. In the exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and drive an hour away to a hospital that I don't even work at and have coverage for. So I was like, that's not happening. So I was like, okay, well, that's like really the only like real option in my mind, you know? So, um, so it was never really a question. I'm really thankful. I know a lot of women have to, you know, really convince their husbands, um, or family members and everything that that's what they're going to do. Um, and so, you know, we were all on board, you know, all my husband's family, 
um, my parents still live in Michigan. And so I didn't tell my mom, I think until like halfway through my pregnancy that that's what we were deciding. It never came up. Like I wasn't trying to hide it. I was, I was a little worried that she wouldn't be on board or she would be worried. Um, and I also just didn't want that negative energy, <laughs> you know? So I didn't, I've learned through this and a lot of other things. Like I don't offer up information about, you know, my medical decisions. Um, if someone wants to talk about it, I'm happy to, um, but something like this, you know, everyone has an opinion on it, which is fine, but I just, you know, especially if I'm like set in what I'm going to do and I've done my research and, you know, I've talked and considered it out. Um, I just don't offer it up <laughs> if, if I think it's not going to be, you know, a positive experience. So, but, um, when I did mention to my mom, she's just like, Oh, okay. And like, no, no much more. And she is like all about it and totally fine with it. And which I was like very thankful and, um, that she was, you know, on board with it as well. So, um, yeah, we didn't have any pushback, thankfully. Um, everyone was very supportive. So, which really helped me, you know, not be worried because that, you know, it's so easy to be worried about anything, regardless of you're going to be doing a home birth or a hospital birth, you know, either way. But, um, so it was, it was good that I, I felt like I had a lot of support, um, through, throughout my pregnancy. And I had, um, we actually did have two midwives, um, um, at the, at the birth, um, another midwife in the area kind of joined the practice, like halfway through, um, my pregnancy and this one too. So since he was just born in May, he, um, you know, the, um, COVID, right. So COVID hit, um, before he was born, um, like in March, a few months before he was born. So, um, so that was like a lot of uncertainties of what was going to happen. I they didn't want me to birth in the birthing tub because they weren't sure, um, you know, like no one was sure of anything at the time, like transmission wise. So there's like a, a lot of uncertainties, um, in that sense, but I was thankful that the whole time through, um, my midwife and the second midwife. And then they also had a midwife student, um, who I loved as well, um, they, they, and they were all very supportive and really great about everything through the uncertainties of COVID too. So it was really good. Did you yeah. guys do anything different prenatally as far as like preparation for the birth? Like, did you do any birth classes or any books that you read, any resources, things like that? Um, no, I, um, I think I actually did less the second time around. The first time around, I did so much reading. Um, I also had, I also read a lot more in general before I had, had kids. So right, <laughs> um, I did tons of reading. Um, and there's a couple that I, you know, I really, I really liked um, mindful birthing and I can't remember, I think Nan by Nancy, have you heard of that book? Um, yeah. So I, I read that one before my first, um, which I really liked and um, what else? Oh, Ina Mae Gaskins. I loved reading her book too. Um, what is it called again? The Natural Guide to Childbirth or Ina Mae's Guide to Childbirth. Yeah, Ina Mae's Guide to Childbirth. Yeah, that one. It also one. has Spiritual Midwifery, which that's yeah, a I didn't read too. I didn't read that one, but I read the, the Guide to Childbirth and that was really great. So, um, and I read like Natural Hospital Birth as well, which was good. Um, the Birth Partner by Penny Simkin. I think Penny Simpkins a PT. So that was really, which I didn't realize at the time, but, um, so I, I had read, you know, all those and, um, some more and had my husband read certain parts of some of the books and stuff. And, um, 
But so this time around, I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. Like as I felt again, being in like a pelvic PT and like being in that world, like treating pregnant patients and postpartum patients a lot. Um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to, I did read some things, um, just to try to, um, help work through my emotions and such from the C-section. And just, I want to, cause I've, I've heard of, you know, some moms, you know, trying a VBAC and, kind of being blocked in a way, um, from, or not even a VBAC, even just like having another birth after a traumatic prior birth. Um, so I didn't want like any issue with that. Um, like any emotional blocking, I guess, I think there's a technical term for it, but, um, so, but I was like, I think I'm working through it fine. I, I don't know. Like, how do you know if you're ready? Um, so the blessing with, with COVID, to be honest, was like, I didn't, I didn't from March, mid-March on, I didn't work very much um, because our outpatient clinics were all closed. I still did work a little bit. Um, thankfully, the way my hospital responded to it was really great um, in that I didn't get laid off and I still got my normal salary. Um, but my hour, I was working like two days a week, maybe. So um, I was able to like spend more time in the garden, like squatting a lot more. And, um, I took a lot of baths, which, and I did a lot of my, my meditating and, and, and just like, um, relaxation, relaxation time and imagining like, you know, what it'll feel to like birth a baby and like bring him to my chest right away. And, you know, and all that kind of thing and things my midwife suggested me to do. So I was able to do that kind of stuff a lot more, I think, but I, I didn't really, prepare more in any other way. And I feel like I was worse actually the second time around with like getting in a certain number of squats and stretching a day and all that kind of stuff. And I think that just comes with, you know, second baby, but, um, with having a toddler and stuff, but I, I was a little more relaxed in, 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 in other ways, I think. So that was helpful. And then did you do all of your prenatal care with that midwife as well? Yes. Yep. I did all the normal prenatal care with her. I didn't have to go anywhere else. Um, she was able to like take blood and do everything for your tests and send them off. So, um, yeah, it was, um, again, the second midwife came on halfway through. And so I really liked her as well. So, um, we, you know, she was always there at the visits or, you know, with COVID we were doing a lot, some, you know, over the phone visits or FaceTime visits too, which, um, worked fine as well. Yeah. Then how, how did labor start? Um, so it was a Tuesday morning and, um, I was, I was, you know, you always have like that checklist of things you want to get done before you have the baby. So I was weeding, um, and I'd gotten the front yard done and I was in the backyard and I was squatting and I was like, you know, cause I was thinking this is going to be good to like get, get him down in a good position. And I was squatting and I don't have, I don't ever remember it, well, no. Okay. So with Piper, actually her, um, they, they broke her water, my water with her to try to progress things. So, um, I never experienced like water naturally breaking. So I was just squatting. I felt totally fine and normal. Like I never got to the point in either my pregnancies where I was like, I can't do anything. Like I feel terrible. Um, thankfully. So, um, I was squatting and I felt like a pop and I, and I thought, I thought he had just kicked me or punched me really hard. And it was like, it was a strange sensation. And then I felt a gush. It wasn't huge, like in the movies, you know, but I felt like wet. And I was like, 
I was a little bit in denial in my head. I was like, that couldn't have been my water. But um, I waddled into the house and I was like, Nick. And he like comes right in John's like, I think my water broke. And he's like, really? Like he's all excited. And I'm like, kind of excited, but also like my water just broke and I'm not having contractions. And so that really worried me. Like that, I was like, it was a cautious excitement because I, um, cause there's a timeline, right? So when you, if your water breaks and you don't get into active labor or have the baby in a certain time, then they get worried. And then, you know, with home, you know, planning a home birth, I didn't want to be sent to the hospital for any reason. So, um, so I called the midwife and she, She's like, okay, this is thankfully the student midwife lives like down the road from me. So she came over and um, had the midwife on FaceTime and she was able to take my vitals and baby's vitals and everything and everything looked good. So they're like, you know, you just, now it's just like, you got to try to see what you can do to help, you know, help progress, progress labor and start getting contractions. So, um, I was like, I am not going to go to the hospital. So it was like, I forget what, if it was like 12 hours, I forget what the hour timeline was, but until to be in active labor, what, um, so maybe it was 12, 12 or 24 hours. I don't know. Clearly I don't remember, but, um, so I started with doing some miles, the mile circuit, you know, like there's a couple of positions that you lay in half for half an hour each time. Um, or, and then, um, did some walking, um, up, went up and down my stairs sideways, two steps at a time. Um, we went to the chiropractor, um, who I had been actually, that's one thing I was doing differently, I guess, as I was seeing a chiropractor weekly from week 30, week 30 onwards. So, um, I went and saw him, um, that day. And then we did a lot of walking in town. Um, my husband made me a spicy lunch to eat. Um, I, gosh, I did so many things. The midwife suggested certain homeopathic things to take or um, to try to help, which I did that. Um, I drank cayenne pepper water. <laughs> like, I swear I did everything. I wasn't still at all because if I like, even just sitting on the ball and like doing a little bouncing, I felt the contractions kind of fizzle out a little bit. So I, I was like, I can't just sit, I gotta keep moving. And so I would lunge, I would the up and down the stairs two at a time, like really, really worked really well. And then every time I did feel like a hint of a contraction, I would do the um, lift and tuck, which is the spinning babies, um, thing. So, um, and, and then I went to the chiropractor a second time <laughs> and, um, and then finally, and like they were definitely getting to the point where they're starting to feel a little bit stronger and painful, um, but inconsistent. I think this is around like five or 6 PM and my midwife, both the midwives and midwife student and my mother-in-law were over, um, at the house and all day too, while I was doing all this, um, Piper was at the in-laws house. Thankfully they, they were able to take her so we could just do whatever we needed to. Um, but they were all there and it was kind of nice cause they were all just kind of like hanging out and chatting, you know, they're all friends. They all know each other. And, um, one of the midwives was like knitting, I think. And so I was like, well, at least they're not worried. And they're like totally confident. It's just like a good, like feeling like they're just hanging out and I'm just, you know, in labor right now. <laughs> I don't know. It was nice. It was like, it was pretty stress-free on one last walk. And so, you know, we, we live by a really big hill. So my husband, I went up on a walk and went up there and they're definitely getting much stronger. Um, and then I was coming down a hill and I actually, um, walked past, um, 
uh, an old patient of mine <laughs> and he's like, Oh, having a baby. And I was like, hopefully. And so, um, you know, and like the neighbors were like, is that baby coming? And I was like, I hope so. And so, um, so it was just like nice. Everyone was just like really supportive in that way too. And, um, and then, and then as soon as we got back home from that, things just like started happening, um, pretty fast. Like all of a sudden they're like, okay, these aren't fun contractions anymore kind of thing. You know, not they're ever fun, but all of a sudden, like, I really need to like lean on something or really breathe through them. And it was just amazing. Um, how, how things evolved so quickly and so well, it was just, I was just surprised by how, like, you know, everyone was just kind of hanging out doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, we're upstairs and they've got the birth tub blowing up and the water going in it and they're pulling out all their supplies. It was just like, they're just like all of a sudden, you know, snap of the fingers. They're like, okay, this is like go time. Like, and like, I didn't have to say anything. They knew where everything was. And, um, and my mother-in-law who again is also a doula, she, and she's also a birth photographer or photographer in general too. So that was, she's like kind of wearing many hats that night, but um, they all just like got everything ready. And it was, I remember sitting on the toilet, you know, connected to our, our bedroom. And I was just like, looked over and they're like, just doing everything. And I was so surprised with how efficient they all were. And so that was like, I don't know, it was just like really cool to experience that. So. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference when you have, that support and then not only having the support but people who are trusting in the process and trusting in what your body can do yes. yeah so yeah that makes a huge a huge difference mm -hmm. and so yeah and so then I think it's kind of a blur but I mean so it was that was like 8 p.m I think when that started happening where they got everything together and we're up in the my bedroom and I mostly labored like either on the ball, leaning forward onto the bed, um, and sometimes, or kneeling on the floor, um, out forward onto the bed. I did like lay on the bed sometimes on my side if I got tired. Um, but my, there's always either my husband, um, my mother-in-law or the student midwife. There were, there's always someone that was doing hip compression, which was like the best possible thing. Like and I wasn't shy at all about like moving their hand a little bit. If I'm like, no, you're hitting the wrong spot. Like I was like, this is how it needs to be done. Um, so, and I guess that's something else too, that we did a little differently that time was I, my husband's like, um, he was more, I think he just realized after the first birth, like when things happened were and were happening, like he didn't know what to do, which is understandable. You know, he's never, you know, he's never supported someone through birth before. Um, but I was like, okay, this is what I want you to do. Like the hip compression and like, you can do this or that. Um, I want you to be in control or, you know, over like the music. And I want you to like read these, these um, Psalms to me during, during labor and stuff. And so, so he had like a list on his phone and he was, he was great. He was awesome. He was like, never left my side. Um, and then uh, my mother-in-law and student midwife were there helping as well and taking turns. Um, so that was really, really helpful. Um, and, uh, I guess there's like some funny things, <laughs> you know, it could like get so intense at one point, you know, my husband's holding my hands and I just got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't breathe unless I was growling or like, you know, I was like really loud, super loud. And, um, one time I went to, I just like needed to bite something and my husband was holding my hands. So I, 
just like went to go bite his hand. I didn't even think about it. And he like took it away really quickly. And I just remember being like, how dare he take his hand away when I need to bite that? Um, and so he, um, I think he was really shocked. Um, but, but then in my head, I was like, okay, no, that's probably a smart thing for him to do. <laughs> to um, move away from the bite. <laughs> I was just like, how dare you? You do not know what kind of pain I am in right now. This is all my conversation. I'm getting very sassy in my head, I think, when I'm, you know, if I'm in pain. So um, I didn't say any of this out loud. But, um, and then another time I did, I did throw up at one point, I think around transition and, um, and my husband, he was back there behind me, you know, rubbing my back and um, midwife, you know, so he was right there while, as I was throwing up into the bucket. And so the midwife was like, looked at him and said, are you okay? And in my head, I'm like, he better be okay. He's not the one throwing up right now. I'm the one throwing up. I'm the one in pain. Like, <laughs> who cares about you? Why right are now? we worrying about him? I'm the one Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, I am the star of the show right now. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I just remember being like, um, excuse me. Um, but I was, I did apologize to my, to my midwife and the student, like at their one or two day checkup when they came to see me, I was like, I'm sorry. I was really negative the whole time. And I just kept saying, I can't do this. And I hate this, you know, <laughs> they're like, you were fine. And I was like, I don't know. I remember really hating it at the time and being really negative, but thanks. <laughs> That's just normal. That's just part of labor sometimes. I, That's how it goes. Be used to it because I was, I really hoped that I could have been like a really gracious laborer um, and not super loud, but I was loud and pessimistic. <laughs> so I'm glad okay. that they were there to like push me through it and help me because I couldn't have gone through it on my own. <laughs> Again, that support. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, and that was really nice too, is that they were, they were, they weren't like so hands-on that it was overbearing or not, um, you know, like made me self-conscious or anything. Um, but you know, I was, and I, knowing that they were there to support me and help me and my mind, my headspace was totally different, of course, than, um, than with Piper at that point. So I could like request like, Hey, I'm getting tired here. Or I don't feel good here. Um, I need to change positions, you know? So, that helped um, being able to feel comfortable and be able to like, I was still cognizant and in the moment enough that I could say things and request things. And so um, I think, again, having that support was a huge part of that. Yeah. So then how, how long was your labor overall? Um, so, well, I guess it, I don't have enough to count like when I started having consistent contractions. So if we just say from consistent contractions, um, so I guess my water broke at 10 a.m. that morning um, and the contractions were consistent um, at around 7 or 8 p.m. And then I remember at, at midnight, the midwife was like, I would like to check you that she hadn't checked me yet at all. And so I was like, okay. Um, and I was really, I felt like I was really struggling. Like I was like, if I was in the hospital right now, I would be asking for an epidural. So I was like, I'm really glad, you know, I was thinking this all in my head. I'm really glad I'm here. Um, and she checked me and I was at a six. So she was so gentle with how she, how she told me, because she knew that that like, to me, like, I was like, I'm only at a six. And so she, um, she's like, she's very gentle and encouraging when she told me that that's where I was. Um, but, and that was midnight. And then, um, and then I think I threw up at some point after that and, um, and I got to a point where they're like, just breathe through the contractions. And I was like, 
I was, I was trying to, um, and they're like, you don't need to push, just try to breathe through it. But I, my body was pushing, like I'd breathe through it. But at the end of each contraction, like my whole body would just kind of like flex and curl and I could feel the pressure. And I was like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) This is my body. I'm trying not to, I'm trying to breathe through it, but it's not happening. It's not working. Um, and so they finally, um, at two, then 2 AM. So two hours later, she checked me again and she's, I believe if I remember correctly, she said, you just have a little lip. I'm going to hold it back. You can push on this contraction. And I was like, thank God. Cause that's, you know, I was just like, I need to get this over with. This needs to be done. So, um, so I would just start pushing and that was the best, like being able to push. And just like moments before I was, um, I was like, the contractions were just on top of each other and I wasn't getting any rest in between. So I was getting really frustrated because I was still in pain in between the contractions and they were so close together. Um, and so, so finally, you know, being able to push. And then all of a sudden after that first pushing, it was like, there was like, it felt like there was like two minutes between the contractions, probably not that long, but, um, they were just like really peaceful and I didn't have any pain. And I was just, waiting there, wait, laying there, waiting for the next contraction. And I even had the clarity, um, after the f- first push, I was like, Nick, go get my phone. Cause my mom wanted me to FaceTime her. Um, and it was 2am here. So it was 4am in Michigan. Um, and she answered right away. And so she was able to, to watch and he, he was like, you know, I imagine like FaceTiming my mom, you know, like you're going to hold the camera, you know, so she can see me and maybe see my body, you know, cause I was totally naked at this point. And, but no, he's like putting it right up to my vagina. And like, so she could see the whole thing, like up close and personal. Just, A like, nice personal yeah. video of that. Right. Yeah. So it's like, that wasn't what I was thinking, but whatever. That's really what she wanted. Cause she, my mom was like, you know, I've always seen, you know, my mom had had four vaginal births and she's like, but I've never actually seen it happen. You know, it was always me doing it. So I wanted to see it. And my, like I said, my sister has, has had three C-sections and my mom actually got to be in the OR with my sister with one of her C-sections, which she thought was the coolest thing. So she's like, now I want to see a vaginal birth. <laughs> and so she really saw it. So um, anyway, so she was like all excited. And um, so my husband's, um, I was laying, I was laying on my back, kind of lifted off to one side, um, which was not would have been my preferred position to push, but um, it just kind of happened. And at that point I was like, I can push. I didn't even think about what position I was in. Um, but my husband was on one side. Um, and then one of the midwives was on one side, um, and as well as the student midwife. And then the other midwife, um, was at, you know, was monitoring as I was pushing and my mother-in-law was, um, she was going to catch. So, um, so I just, you know, I, I remember, I should have and know, especially being a pelvic floor PT, that I should have let my body do most of the work and not push so hard. But I was just so excited to get it over with that I was like, get this thing out of me. I'm done. So I pushed as hard as I could. And um, the, in hindsight, the position and pushing as hard as I could, I wish I, I would have. That's the only like thing that I would have changed about it because I did end up with a third degree tear, um, which just complicated things a little bit afterwards. But um, but you know, that pushing, it lasted for only 15 minutes in that position there. And then he was out. And, um, I was just like, so shocked when it was, cause I thought, you know, some people push for two hours. Um, so it was just like of active pushing to 15 minutes. So, um, 
So it was like, it was really great. And they put him right onto my chest. And I was, I think the first thing I said was thank you for coming out or something like that. And, um, and so, and it was great. Like they, they helped me get like into a more comfortable position, just like slid up on the bed a little bit. Um, and they, I, again, I was just shocked and surprised. Like it felt like it did, it felt like almost no time at all at all, but I think there was actually hours of them, like just cleaning things up and putting things away and they just did it all. And, um, and didn't really bother me. I mean, I think they checked in on me and, you know, got me some food and make sure, made sure he was doing okay. And, um, and I just laid there and at one point, um, Piper, you know, it's 2am and she's like just a couple doors down. So she woke up and so she came in and she just sat on the bed and she's just like, not sure what to think about this little baby all of a sudden in her room or in her house in the middle of the night. So, um, but yeah, they, they did, they did all the laundry. They like washed and dried it and folded it and cleaned up the tub, the birth tub and, you know, everything. So it was, you know, that part was really great. Again, I was really impressed (laughs) with how great they did. Yeah. And then to be able to just go lay in your own bed out mm-hmm. there with your yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. Like I just was, you know, my husband was in and out cause he was taking care of Piper also since she was up at 2am, <laughs> but um, yeah. And we just, I just laid there and it was really cool too. Cause he was on my chest and um, he was right by my breast and he um, started like bobbing his head around looking for it. And I was like, it was pretty soon after, cause everyone was still in the room. And I was just like, ah, he's, I think he's trying to latch. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, like that he would do that so soon. And, um, it kind of made me nervous cause I didn't want it to hurt, you know? And so I was, I was like, oh, like, like kind of freaked out. And he just like latched on perfectly and started sucking. And I was like, oh, okay. And then midwife came over and she's like, oh yeah, looks good. <laughs> like That's it was awesome. Nothing. Yeah. It was really cool the the breast crawl i i've seen yeah. a couple of times and i just mm-hmm. think that that's the craziest but also one of the coolest things yeah. that yeah. i've ever seen in that immediate postpartum period is the baby really without any help from anybody else be able to make their way over and latch on yeah it was really cool and i was like oh that was it kind of freaked me out because i was like oh like it gave me the heebie-jeebies but then i was like i was like okay this is okay it doesn't hurt it's good <laughs> So then did you do um, more postpartum care with the midwives? Like, obviously, they were cleaning up and checking you guys over and all of that. But then did you have additional postpartum care afterwards? Yeah. So um, they – I have to say, since I had a third-degree tear, they um, (laughs) – so they they – they cleaned everything up and like gave us some time. And then they put Micah on my husband's chest. And then they kind of checked me – and I, uh, to check my tearing and see if I needed any, um, stitches. And, uh, and so the midwife, the one midwife looked at the other two and then they walked out the room and to discuss it. And I was just laying there. I was like, Oh, great. I have to go to the hospital. Like, I just knew I was like, why would they walk out of the room to discuss what they're going to do if it wasn't like terrible enough that I, you know, they need to decide what, what to happen. Um, so they're like, it's like just barely a third degree tear. Um, but technically you should go in and it would be best if you go into the hospital for them to do it there just with the supplies that they have. And I think, I think my, in Colorado might be a legal legality as well with it being a third degree tear. Um, so that was like a huge bummer. Um, but, um, they called the hospital and got it all set up, made sure like what was best time for me to go in. And so, um, 
he was born at like two 15 and, and it was like seven, 7 AM is when we left the house to, um, once they were, so once they did all of his like um, newborn, like all the screening and everything for him too, and weighing and all that, you know, and I had already showered and dressed and everything. Um, so it wasn't an emergency, of course, or anything, but it was just like it needed to be taken care of at the hospital. Um, and so that experience, like while I like wish that it, I didn't have to, had to go, um, you know, I didn't want him to be, Micah was in a car seat, you know, from like a few hours old <laughs> and, um, and it's not a far drive, but, um, it was uncomfortable enough. Um, and, but the midwife, the, the midwife, no, it was a doctor, midwife and a doctor, um, OB that did it. And they were really great and really nice. And, um, and there was like no negative, no negativity about it being a home birth or anything like that. And so I felt really, I was really glad, um, that at least that was, always, that's always my worry is like, if I did have to transfer, it was like, I just didn't, don't want like you know, further guilt be thrown on top of me or anything like that for my decisions. And, you know, so, um, so it, it was a positive experience in that. And they were super nice. They're like, stay here for as long as you want in this room, you know, order some food if you want <laughs> kind of thing. So, but my husband's like, let's just go home <laughs> and sleep in our bed. So, um, so that was the, the only, you know, again, and again, who knows if like, you know, if I had not pushed super hard or laying on my back, if that would have changed the tearing, situation, but, um, but I, I wish that, you know, we, that's the only thing I would change, I guess, about everything. But, um, um, so I forget about that even happening to be honest. So it was, you know, very, a small little blip in all of it. Um, but yes, I did do the same, um, the same midwife and students came, they came to my house, um, I think two days after, and then, um, they did a, a, a week on the phone. Normally they would come, in, but because of COVID, they just did um, over the phone. Um, and then two weeks, um, the midwife came in um, to see me in the house and checked everything over. And then at six weeks, I went into their um, to their office for a checkup. And and that was that was it. And I didn't have any any issues. You know, I think I feel like it was a very typical healing phase for postpartum. Um, so nothing out of the ordinary. Otherwise. So looking at those two different birth experiences, but especially that postpartum time, how did the two compare? I mean, I feel, I th- and again, I, it's hard to say like, if it was like, just because my first was a C-section and my second was a vaginal birth and like home versus hospital and everything. I mean, it's hard. To, I feel like some at some aspects, like the, um, just the fact that it, I, you know, going from zero to one baby, it was tough. And I handled the one to two better. And, um, I think I just ha- knew what to expect with like sleeplessness and how the baby is going to, you know, progress in sleep or potentially, and, you know, handling breastfeeding. I was really su- pleasantly surprised that I never had any nipple pain at all. Um, breastfeeding my seconds. Um, whereas the, whereas with Piper, it was painful for like the first two weeks, you know, which I think is pretty typical, but, uh, which I, so I expected the same with him, but with Micah, I didn't have any pain. So I was really, really glad. Um, but I feel like it was smoother, um, because I think I had lower expectations for myself for one. I, um, real with Piper, Um, I was like, I need to get up and I need to go and I need to do things. So like from week two, even I was walking a lot more, whereas after him, I was able, you know, I just like, I 
stayed laying on the couch or in bed as much as possible. And honestly, I mean, like the recovery from a C-section for me was a lot harder on um, my, just my whole body in general. I had like constant headaches for a couple of weeks. My whole body felt more tired. Whereas, um, whereas with, um, after Micah, it was like just my vulvar region, you know, my, just my perineum was sore. And like, if I stood for too long, then I felt like that heavy swelling kind of feeling. And I would like, okay, I have to lay down now. So, which I think that actually helped me recover a little bit, helped remind me to lay down and take a break because with the C-section, like I didn't have that heavy feeling in, in my vulvar region at all. Um, what was painful was any, any transitions, like getting up and out of bed or going up and down stairs. Um, so, but I could stand and I could walk without very much pain. So I, I did a lot more than I should have early postpartum with Piper. And so, um, so healing wise, um, I think the, having, having had the vaginal birth, like actually helped me to be able to just like lay and rest and remind me that I needed to, to heal, even though you still need to heal just as much, if not in some cases more, I guess, in some ways from a cesarean as well. Um, but yeah. And, you know, both, both, um, postpartum phases, we had wonderful family and friend and, and church family, um, support. So, we, we weren't lacking in that area in any way. Um, and my husband's super great. He works from home too. So he, um, he's always home anyways. So that was like never an issue with me being home alone with the kids. Like he could always let me take a break. Um, and he, you know, he, especially he would like take Piper out outside, um, during the day. And I would just kind of, I would take a sits bath and then, and then I'd lay down on the bed with Micah and like just rest. And so he did all the, he like vacuumed and he's, and he cleaned. And, um, in fact, like, I think when the midwives came, they were like, they're like, he's vacuuming. And they're like, this is cleaner than my house. And I was like, I didn't do it. Don't get angry at me. It was all my husband's. Um, and so, um, but he, and he's always the cook anyway. So like, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I just got to rest and, um, and just take in the, the baby and times and stuff. So yeah, I think the lower expectations just on my own part was really what helped me, um, be able to rest more and heal better, but also, um, emotionally and hormonally, I was, I think I just have better expectations of what to expect. So, yeah. Looking at both of your experiences and just kind of your journey overall, do you have any advice or, I guess just like lessons you wish you would have known sooner that you would want to share with women who are currently pursuing, well, either pursuing a home birth after a cesarean or even just looking at the different options that are out there. What What's something that you would want to tell them? Um, I mean, I, of course, would really strongly encourage anyone that wants to have a VBAC if they can um, to look into a home birth, um, because it, it, I mean, I think statistically you do get, you are more likely to have a VBAC at home because, and I think that's because you just get that, um, one-on-one -on -one relationship usually with the midwife or midwife group. Um, and you're, you're comfortable, you're, and there's so many like, 
um, so many like even OBs that have researched this too. I think there's like a French OB, I forget his name, but he's done studies on like just the environment and how the environment impacts um, women, laboring women. And it just makes so much sense like to have a baby at home, like where you're comfortable and have people come to you to help you. Um, and I know that a lot of women are uncomfortable with that. And they're like, well, what if something goes wrong? Um, you know, especially with it being a VBAC and I would encourage people to, to, you know, talk with a mid home birth midwife in their area, because most of the time, like, uh, you know, it's such a small percentage of uh, any true emergent transfer because a good home birth midwife is going to know ahead of time, you know, she's going to see the signs and of what's going to, if, if, if there's any reason that needs, there needs to be transfer. And most of those high risk cases are transferred during care, you know, prenatally, not even during labor or anything. They recognize, you know, they're, they monitor you just as well, you know, during the, um, prenatal phase and know what to look for. And they do all the normal testing and everything. Um, and so they'll, they'll refer you on to an OB, um, or to a hospital system if needed early on. And then in labor as well, they're monitoring just as well as they can and do at the hospital. Um, and they can see if something's going to happen or if, you know, if things aren't going well, then they would, you know, bring into the hospital. And in most of the cases, it's not an emergency situation, you know, and if they, if it is, I mean, it's probably would have been an emergency situation at the hospital as well. So it's not like any negligent usually on the, on the midwife's parts, but um, yeah. And I think for me too, as um, like, and as a Christian and, and I, you know, having a strong faith in, in God's sovereignty and knowing, you know, that God is, you know, in control of all things. I, I just to not to be like, not that in a morbid or careless sense, but I, I felt like, you know, if I'm going to have a child that is, you know, something's going to happen, like God is in control of that. And, um, and so I was, it was really helpful for me coming from a place of faith to be able to, um, have more, more trust in that and how God has made our bodies to work and to be. And, um, and so, for me, it, it was, it was easy to, to trust in that. And not to say that like every, you know, Christian or anyone of, of any faith is going to like have to have a home birth or is going to be comfortable with that. Um, it's up to everyone's comfort level, of course, but I think if you can, then it's certainly something to, um, to look into. And it's, it's very often, you know, if you look statistically, it's very often a, a very safe, um, option to have. I guess. Yeah. And, and I think spinning babies, spinning babies is such a really awesome resource and their website has, has so much information and, um, and sometimes it's overwhelming, I think for a lot of people, but I, I got their, um, weekly, um, just like gestational weekly newsletter with this pregnancy. And it was nice because they just like added one thing, like, why don't you try to do like heel stretching this week, you know, or why don't you try to do the, um, inversion stretch this week? And so they, they added things in really nicely. Um, and then they have a lot more information on their website. And so I think just having some tools that, you know, just picking a few that you could like teach your, your husband or whoever's going to be, um, helping you during labor. Um, then that, I think that would be like, help you feel prepared and then have some tools to use that are really actually helpful during labor as well. Um. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for, hopefully I didn't ramble too much, but thank you for, uh, for having me on and 
it's good to talk through all this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's just great to get all of these stories out there because I know we were kind of chatting before we started recording, but just knowing that different women who are in different places right now are going to resonate with all sorts of different stories. So it's nice to hear just everything that you had to say. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.